Hey, Bridgetown Church, great to see all of you. I'm here with Dr. Tim Mackey, who is a dear friend, wonderful human being, also a Hebrew professor and the co-creator of the Bible Project right around the corner, which I think is one of the best things in our city. Tim's just a, a brilliant mind and a great, wonderful person. And we're in our fall practice and series around what church tradition has called the three enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we've spent several weeks teaching on the devil, you know, like you do. Yes. And our emphasis was more around truth and lies and Jesus' yeah. whole thing of the enemy as the father of lies. Mm -hmm. But he is just the tip of the spear behind this whole spiritual realm, spiritual reality of mm -hmm. gods and goddesses and angels and demons and yeah. spirituality and God is in there. Yeah. And you have been doing some fascinating work mm. around this area. Mm. But I know you've been a little reluctant to get into it of your own self-proclaimed skeptic mm -hmm. of that whole thing. Mm -hmm. So just talk to us about that. You know, I grew up in Western whatever culture, yeah. Portland, and uh, my default worldview is a materialist not yeah. non-supernatural anything. Yep. Um, so I have to choose to actively think outside of that default. I don't find this easy to believe. Yeah. Like this isn't natural for me to... So I'm choosing to say, I think these biblical authors and Jesus have a way of viewing the world that they can see something that I guess I can't see. Yeah. There's something I'm blind to about how they view reality and that this is a really important part of understanding what's going on. Yeah. And so I just want to encourage people <laughs> yeah. who find this whole thing hard to believe, like yeah. that's okay, Yeah. it's okay. Um, but it is, I think it becomes a worldview that you have to learn how to adopt Yes. and have it learn how to explain things that we see going on around us and in our own lives with a view to spiritual evil. Yeah. And so what does that mean? But don't feel bad about being weirded out, because I think a lot of us are. You're in good company. Okay, let's dive in. Let's sure. just start from the beginning. Okay. The English word God. Yes. So when we talk about God, <laughs> yeah, I think what comes into mind yeah. for me and most people yeah. is some kind of an all-wise, all-powerful, semi-personal creator. Not all people, but for the more Western, post-Christian kind Correct. of mindset. Yeah. In Hebrew, the word is Elohim. Uh -huh. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a very different kind of word. So maybe talk yeah. to us about yeah. the opening line of the Bible, in the yes. beginning, Elohim. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, the classic Jewish Christian confession about the nature of the scriptures is that God's revealed himself through human language, through these yeah. authors. And so that happened to be in Hebrew, in Aramaic and Greek. And so... What it means is that the language the Bible was written in, these words have connections of meaning that aren't identical to the words they get translated into in any language, English, yep. for us. So this is, Elohim's a great example, right? It's one of the first words of the Bible, which you think would be crystal clear, God, right? Yeah. And it turns out it's not. It's not. It's, it's complicated. Um, so what uh, these Hebrew biblical authors have in mind when they use the word Elohim isn't the same thing as our English word capital G-O-D. Um, so, so let's take the English word God out for a second. Let's just use Elohim. Got it. So if you tally up all the uses of this word in the Hebrew scriptures, we're talking over 2,700 times, um, you have all kinds of beings referred to. Um, you have the one Elohim, who's the creator and king of all, 
that we think of as capital G God. Capital G God. Um, and some, and it's often clear because biblical authors will put the word the in front mm -hmm. of Elohim. They'll, yeah. they'll call the God of Israel or the Lord God the Elohim. English, or, or they'll use God's personal name yeah. revealed to Moses, Yahweh. So uh, he's the chief Elohim yeah. who made all everything. Um, but there are also other beings called Elohim. Um, and uh, they can, it can be the Elohim of Egypt that God's fighting yeah. in the Exodus story, God yeah. says in Exodus chapter 12. Um, it can be the gods of any of the other nations, Elohim of Moab or Babylon or whatever. Um, there can be other beings that God, we'll talk about this, God uses as his staff team that yeah. he processes decisions with. Yes. <laughs> this is a category of creatures called Elohim. Yeah. And then even um, the pr pr invisible presence of somebody who's deceased but, and yet to be resurrected, um, so we might call them spirits of the dead, um, can be called Elohim. Wow. Samuel. Yes. There's a story about Samuel. That obscure story with That's Saul. Right. And... Or in Isaiah chapter 8, he talks about people consulting spirits of the dead, and he calls them Elohim. Yeah. So the word Elohim in Hebrew, the, the short way to summarize it is that it refers to a being who's an inhabitant <laughs> of, and again, we lack good language for this. Uh, where I'm at at the moment is saying the spiritual realm. Yeah which doesn't mean the non-physical realm. In the Bible's conception of spiritual and physical, is these are two distinct but overlapping realities, yep. just like heaven and earth yep. aren't separate, but they're overlapping. And so an Elohim is a being who is an inhabitant of the spiritual realm who can sometimes manifest yeah. in physical form. And there are many Elohim. Yeah. There's only one chief Elohim who's the creator of all. So what about like but there are, Isaiah and others when yes. they write, there's no Elohim yes. but one yeah, or that's right. like the idea of false gods. Yeah, so correct. I heard that correct. language of false gods yeah. for years. And in my mind, I defaulted to non-entities. Yes. Yeah, false as right. in made yes. up, mythic, yeah, not true. Right. So the God of Moab yeah. is a myth. But yep, that's not what that. you're saying. Yeah, what the biblical authors are clear is that idols, statues, yep. that they, aren't, they are not Elohim. Mm -hmm. They're pieces of wood. Right. <laughs> um, however, what they are not claiming in these texts about idols, Psalm 115 is a classic example. What they're not saying is those um, idols aren't connected to Yes. Or in some way, an a, intermediary a real, for a, an Elohim, mm -hmm. a real spiritual being. This is why Paul the Apostle said to the Corinthians, yeah, don't go eat in these temples dedicated to Zeus or Apollo. Um, he didn't say because Zeus is a figment of your imagination. No, he says because you could be in the presence of a daimonion, which is a yes. Greek word for a, a less, a, or, an Elohim, a yes. lesser god. So um, they believe in the reality of spiritual beings. So you're um, saying it's more about categorization than it correct. is about reality. Yeah, right. So false gods aren't false in that they don't exist. Yes, yeah. They're false in that there's one creator. Yes. The others yeah, are created. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, that's why uh, Moses can say in Deuteronomy 10 that Yahweh, the God who rescued Israel out of Egypt, he's the Elohim of Elohim. <laughs> Got it. Uh, which is like the holy of holies, the most holy space. He's the most God of gods. Or like or, the most high is another word for that, right? In the Old right. Testament? Yeah, that's right. Over the all most, the other gods? That's correct. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so there's like about three or four passages that talk about no Elohim 
beside Yahweh mm-hmm. um, or don't have any other Elohim before me. Yeah. Uh, is one of the Ten Commandments. Yep. Um, what that's not saying is other Elohim don't exist. What it's saying is there's no Elohim that fits into the category of Yahweh, the chief Elohim. Nobody on, his, on parallel with him. Yeah. What they do have in common is that they are both spiritual beings. Yes. Um, which there are, it, there's a populated spiritual universe in the biblical story just as there's a populated human yeah. universe. And actually, there's an important relationship between the okay, two. Okay, so talk to me. About. Let's move into that. Talk to me about what, you know, in Bible nerd language is the divine council. Yes. <laughs> which we read about through yeah. the Old yep. Testament That's and right. just skip over because yeah. we imagine, like, yeah. my mind goes to that um, yeah. crazy Liam Neeson movie from, like, 10 years ago that was so bad. It was, like, ancient Greek. He plays Zeus or something. It was, like, a low point <laughs> in his career. Oh, wow. It was not, not his Liam. best moment. He plays yeah. Zeus or something. It's yeah. just... Is so bad. Wow. So my mind goes there. So, but that's all through the story of the yeah. Bible. Yeah, that's right. What is the divine counsel? Yeah. Um, the, the reality and the role that these other spiritual beings play in the biblical story, um, the way it unfolds in the Bible isn't, actually the way most anything unfolds in the Bible isn't the way modern Westerners think of how a story works. Um, it's meditation literature. Got it. Which means that from the very beginning, it's assumed that you've already read through the whole thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so there's all kinds of puzzles. A lot of times. A lot of times. And put it to memory. That's right. So there's already, um, there's loaded into the first stories of the Bible all kinds of puzzles and ambiguities that you won't understand even what they mean until you get later on. Because you're meant to meditate on it. Totally. Read it slow, that's deliberate, right. think, yeah. wait, it's a, it's a pick kind up a piece of, of the puzzle. literature that's inviting a lifetime of rereading and discovery. That Psalm 1 kind of totally. meditates on that's the right. law. Yeah, Psalm 1 isn't right. just like a nice thing of read your Bible every day. It's yeah. actually designed not to give up its secrets on the first reading. It's, so you're saying that when I read the Bible and I'm confused, yeah. it's, it's, that's by intent. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I want to qualify. Well, we yes, don't have time I know what you're saying. Yeah. But it's an invitation. Yes. To keep reading. It's specifically designed not as a quick read. That's right. But to get you to read and to read slowly. Right. And so a classic example is on page one where um, God says, let us make human in our, our image. image. Who's the us? Right? That's a classic question, right? Yeah. Jewish and Christian readers for thousands of years. So you actually have already been given a clue as to who that us is before that point in Genesis 1. But as the story unfolds, you get more and more clarification about that. And it's what um, the biblical poets in Psalm 82 or Psalm uh, 89 will call the divine counsel, the counsel of Elohim. Hmm. Um, so on page 1, God um, creates... Uh, the sun, moon, and stars. Actually, the word sun and moon is never used. It's just called the lamps. Wow. It's the same word as the lampstand in the tabernacle. So God creates a heavenly lamp, <laughs> a bigger one and a lesser one. Yep. And the kochavim, uh, the stars. And what he tells these creatures to do is to rule, to rule the skies. Wow. Then parallel to that is he, he says, let us create, excuse me, yeah, let us make, let us... Humanity to rule... To rule over the land. The land. So Genesis 1 gives us this image of the celestial realm 
which is under Yahweh. He's above the heavens, so yep. to speak, as the, the ruler over all. So under Yahweh are two delegated authorities, the celestial rulers, yep. the lights and the stars, and then the terrestrial rulers. And lights and stars, I've always just read that as the sun and the moon yeah, and the totally. stars. Yeah, that's right. And you're saying that behind that was this idea of spiritual yeah, that's creatures. Right. Every single mention of the stars in the Hebrew Bible uh, refers to them as creatures. The biblical authors envision these as creatures, be beings, yeah, like spiritual beings, yes. <laughs> celestial beings. Um, and this is common in the ancient world, and it's common for biblical authors, but, but they even tell you, right, when they're first introduced in Genesis 1, that there's something, there's more than meets the eye here, because the first word in Genesis 1, verse 14, is these creatures are called um, otot in Hebrew, symbols. Hmm. It's the Hebrew word for symbol. Yeah. So the sun, the big lamp, the little lamp, and the stars, which rule, are symbols for humans. And in the Bible, this word sign or symbol is a real thing that is itself just a signpost and a pointer to the greater reality, reality to which it points. And so from the human perspective, we look up at these glorious creatures yep. and are to view them as symbols to some greater... So the, the fireball that yeah. our planet is going around yeah, totally. is a fireball, yeah, yeah. but it's a symbol that's right. of a greater yeah, that's right. reality. So I, it's so easy to translate into a modern conception of the universe in the uh, a theistic view of the world, believing that there is a beautiful mind. mind behind all of this, is that the sun is a ball of gas, <laughs> that, that we are rotating around. Okay, yeah. so that's different conception of the world, but the theological idea is the same. Namely that uh, uh, someone who believes in a creator, for them the sun is itself a sign and symbol to a greater of source of beauty and power, yeah. the beautiful mind behind it. So that. at first it sounds just wacky. It sounds crazy, but you actually... But it's not actually... It, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's correct. So you're saying this yes. idea of Summarize other <laughs> spiritual yeah. realities, I mean, it's literally on... It's page, page one, one God's, verse God's creating these beings. And then you get to let us. Correct. And of course, who is God talking to? That's right. And you're saying it's these other beings. Yes, that's right. So these other beings, the other Elohim, the other spiritual beings, are depicted as um, they're embedded in the, the dome, in the yep. sky dome, <laughs> the conception of uh, yep. the world in Genesis the 1. worldview. Yep. That's right. And then Yahweh's temple and throne room is above the heavens of the heavens. Mm -hmm. And so... Translate that into an image of a, a court, throne a, king, a royal throne room. Mm -hmm. And so you get descriptions. The easiest place to go is a narrative in the book of First Kings, where the prophet yes. Micaiah. Crazy story. It's a crazy story. But he has this vision of God's presence. And what he sees is Yahweh on a throne. And he's surrounded by the hosts of heaven, the host of the skies. Right? It's the mm -hmm. things that were made. The spiritual <laughs> beings. The spiritual yeah. beings. And then what you see is God has a decision. He's going to make a decision about what to do with the really bad king of Israel. And he actually lets them participate in the divine decision-making process. Right. So he, so says, he has an end in mind. He has an end in mind. The death of Ahab who's Correct. wreaking havoc. That's right. 
but he's open to suggestions around that's right. the means. And he suggest he accepts a suggestion. <laughs> Which by the way, that's like a, I feel like that's a whole sermon right there. Oh, about totally. just like yeah, that's right. God's will, that's decision making, right. our role right. in God's okay. end and right. but let's not so, go there. So here's the deal. Here's what's happening on page one then. God the God of the Bible wants to share his universe with other creatures. That's the depiction. Mm-hmm. And he wants to share it in such a way that his rule and authority over it is mediated by these delegated creatures. And that's the key idea. Celestial. Celestial and terrestrial. terrestrial. Right. Spiritual, Spiritual beings. let's call it that for <laughs> and, now. Uh, and human beings. And human beings, that's right. And because God has set the universe up in such a way that he wants to run it through through That's right, yeah, through, so that what, so that what creation becomes is a, a, symphon- a symphony of unified wills mm. who submit to each other in yes. love. If, I mean, if we want to get Trinitarian about yes. it, which is where it's all going. Which is where it's all, yeah. Um, and that, still is yet happening. to go. Yeah. And still is yet to go in the story. Okay, so let's, right. let's talk about what went wrong <laughs> with God's original, or, or right, with God's yep. original. Yeah, that's so, right. In so order just, to, just to clarify, yes. um, go to any reference to the stars in the rest of the Bible, and what you'll see they're all doing is referring back to this depiction of delegated spiritual beings on who rule yep. the world on God's behalf. Which, again, we you already just, get that idea from yeah, the cool. human thing. Yeah, Adam and right. Eve are there yeah, to rule. Exactly delegated right. authority, that's kings, correct. queens, priests that's over. So right. you're just saying this is going on in the heavens as well as on earth. That's right. The, the relationship between heaven and earth is a connected an one overlap. And, and a mirrored a mirrored reality. And this divine council yeah. is this yeah. inner yeah. grouping of spiritual beings. Yeah. It is t- to Yahweh in the heavenlies what humans are to Yahweh in on the, the earthly earth. realm. Okay, right. but something goes wrong. We know the Genesis story yeah. with the human beings as a, a rebellion against Correct. God's yes. vision yeah. for human flourishing. Yeah, that's right. And then something also goes wrong Yes. In the heavenlies, right? <laughs> Correct. So talk to us about, yeah. you know, what in Christian tradition is called the fall. Yeah. Not so much the terrestrial side of it as much as... Well, but, but they're joined. Yeah. So you get a talking snake on page three of the Bible. Yeah, that's there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Which again, at first is crazy, and then when yeah. you get into the ancient worldview, it's so punk rock and Tol- rad yeah, and totally. mind yeah. and true yeah, and that's beautiful. Right. So the, yeah, the Hebrew word for this being is nakash, the nakash. And um, it also happens to be uh, the word for diviner or sorcerer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also is related to the word for shining or brightness. Um, it's connected to the word bronze. Nechoshet, nachash. Nechoshet is bronze, mm-hmm. which is always I'm one of the most sparkling like I, things. I'm like I know Hebrew well enough <laughs> right, to yeah. know what you're talking yeah. about. But. Biblical authors um, often use vocabulary because of the connections through puns and word plays and associations. And that's just a normal way of how they write. Yeah. They're doing it all the time. So when you see um, uh, a, a beast of the field, the, a snake, um, but who's talking, like it's not like ancient biblical authors were somehow more primitive and gullible than we are. No, they're that brilliant. They thought talking snakes were normal. Right. And Genesis <laughs> one is some of the most sophisticated literature. Yeah, totally. Yeah, ever. That's right. right? Yeah. So a talking snake. So it's to... not like well now we know snakes don't talk. Yeah. And they don't but they have didn't know that back then. Of course and... they know that snakes don't talk. That's why it's, it's bizarre. in the story. Yeah. It's bizarre. So there's more than meets the eye to this creature. Um, so what is it? Well, it's a being who wants to convince the human rulers 
that the creator's holding out on them, that they actually have the right to, become, to take on a role of authority and yep. rule and knowing good and evil that's greater than what God's given to them. To join the divine council. That's or, right. Yeah. What he says is, he says, you can become Elohim. That's what he says. Wow. And whether that means capital G God or, or these or, spiritual beings. Yes. The, the point is they were made as terrestrial rulers. Made for one thing, you can become another. They, correct. So um, they're, what they're tempted to do by this being and so that you're just meant to infer, what, what is this creature yes. that's trying to get these human creatures to overstep their bounds? This seems like a creature that's overstepping its bounds. And it turns out that God destines the creature to defeat and humiliation and destruction. Yeah. Um, God uh, says that from the line of the humans uh, is going to come a human who's going to yes. crush this being at, at right on its The Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15. That's right. right. The f- that's right. Some would say the first kind of nod toward that's correct the Messiah. Yeah, that's right. So, so right here on page one, you get the celestial rulers, terrestrial rulers. Both are partners that God wants to employ to rule in, in the ordering the cosmos, yep. in, and beautifying of and to creation. spread Eden out to the far corners of reality. And it's precisely at a rebellion of heaven and earth. Both. Yes, Genesis three is is both a fall narrative of mm-hmm. the celestial powers. Both heaven and represented earth by rebel this. against God's vision. That's right. Yep. And so the depiction of the human story after this, we'll come back to Genesis 3.15 in a second, the snake okay. crusher, but is the narratives in Genesis 1 to 11, which are strange for any modern reader. Yeah. But they're just playing out the same thing. You get the next story is about a guy named Cain, who also faced a beastly temptation. He's tempted by a beast too. Yes. Except the beast is called by the word sin, and it's in him. Mm-hmm. It's a beast inside of him that wants to eat him. So the first it's crouching at your door. Yeah, that's right. Predator. Yeah, language. that's right. That's yeah. right. So you get a you get this image of there is a, a a being, a spiritual reality of beings that are in rebellion in a way that mirrors the human rebellion, but that. Evil is also at work within. Mm-hmm. Evil without and evil within. And, and the fact that the first and second generation, Adam and Eve and then Cain, both face the, the, the beast. evil without and yep. the beast without and the and beast the, within. the predator crouching at the door. Yes. And then what he gives in, Cain gives in to that urge and he murders his brother. Cain's descendants go on and the seventh of Cain's lineage is an even worse murderer than his great-great-great-great-grandfather. Yeah. Um, and then they build a city, and then it all leads up to the building of Babylon. Yep. And um, so the, the narrative is trying to create this, this arc here of the human rebellion, but it's also tracing the spiritual rebellion. Yep. And that crazy story about this Genesis 6, I don't know if you know it. Um, you probably do and have avoided it ever since you read it for the first time. But it's a story about the sons of God, the, the sons of Elohim, spiritual beings, who also cross their boundaries. Humans cross their boundaries. They cross their boundaries. Yeah. And it's a complicated story. We don't have to get into it. But it's another rebellion yep. in the heavenlies. So the Bible's trying to tell us that the world is the way that it is, not just because of human stupidity, but that there is a, a dimension of reality that's not easy for us to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it works on both the individual level, like the Cain story, yep. in us. how I deal with anger and resentment, right? jealousy, jealousy. Envy, yep. 
but also it's working on a corporate level, the building of whole cities. And cultures. And cultures that comes under the name Babylon. Which, I mean, if you think about <clears throat> an yeah. ISIS or a Nazi Germany, yeah. it's hard to explain that away based on just the secular yeah. human being. You know what I mean? Human beings yeah, and that sure. level. I mean, you can. You can yeah. just say the Third Reich, the rise of the Third Reich. <laughs> but the Third in, Reich in, was the pinnacle of human civilization at the time. Yeah. Science, technology, yeah. art, yeah. theology, yeah, music. Totally. Yeah, and within right. a few decades, the that's whole right. thing is contorted. So it's a, it's a recent historical example, and it's helpful, but it's also, it's so extreme yes. that I don't... Maybe it's not the best. I want, well, I don't know. It's a, it's a good example, but it's just one example. Low-hanging fruit. The yeah. point is that humans can organize ourselves in corporate entities and begin both creating and being created by stories about who we are, about mm -hmm. what's wrong with That's us, right. about what our real problems are, about what are our limits, and what are the boundaries that we ought to cross, or what did our ancestors think were the boundaries we shouldn't cross? But we know, of course, wow. that we're made to become Elohim. And so we begin to redefine good and evil on an individual and corporate level. Yep. And what the biblical authors, want us, biblical authors want us to see is that that's, there's more than just humans at work. Yeah. There's what, what they'll call the powers. Yes. Um, so, so rebels of the divine council. Yep. who are both participating in the destruction and ruin of God's good world, just like humans are. And that's, that's the key to how the biblical narrative works. There's a two-tiered mirror storyline progressing through the whole biblical narrative, yes. which is why when you get to the prophets of the Old Testament, when they look at Babylon, man, okay, so this is where maybe Nazi yes. Germany comes in. Is it great, yeah. So, so the Neo-Babylonian Empire that took over the ancient world right, in um, the seventh century BC. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking, it was, it was a horrific time uh, in, if you're not in a human Babylonian. history, if you're not a Babylonian, if you're Babylonian. It's the peak yeah. of civilization. Yeah, yeah. If you're not a Babylonian. Totally. That's bad right. news. That's right. So we're talking about an imperial army that stormed the ancient Near East, um, would indiscriminately just slaughter whole towns and villages, enslave the rest of the population, and relocate them to a town that they just conquered and just mix and match. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to erase yep. every people group except themselves. And so when the biblical authors see this kind of evil, um, Isaiah chapters 13 and 14 are a classic example. And where they reach is describing a human king in terms of a cosmic spiritual rebellion. Yep. They see a spiritual rebel and a human rebel together. together. And this is, a this is the biblical way of seeing that reality. That behind That's this right. human right. evil, political evil, That's injustice, right. there yeah. is a, some kind of a dark animating energy behind yeah. That's that. That's right. And the biblical authors don't use this worldview to excuse human beings. Like, oh, a devil made yeah. them do it. That's totally not the... It's that we are partnering. Unbeknownst to ourselves, we buy into these cultural systems or these personal stories of redefining good and evil by our own wisdom, and without even knowing it, we can become partners with forces of evil and chaos that are so beyond our ability to comprehend. And, and we can even think that we're doing the right thing. Wow. When in fact, we are redefining evil as good. That's what the biblical authors want us to see. Yes. And so let's just pause. That's so 
profound. Yes. That's a really profound way of seeing and the, the world. That's the truth. And often we get hung up yeah. on the Nephilim or the yeah, flood yeah, totally. or the talking yeah, snake. Yeah, that's right. That's and the essence. We don't have time to go into it now. Yeah, yeah. Listen to your recent podcast does some of this work. Yeah, but that's right. I think as jarring as Genesis 1 through 11 and the whole mm -hmm. Bible is to yeah. our Western secular worldview with the talking snake and yeah. the yeah, 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 sun yeah. as the symbol, yeah. It was most likely even more jarring to the ancient reader <laughs> because the way that it's yes. this punk rock polemic against yeah, the Babylonian right. worldview and the gods. So that's don't right. have time to go into that. Yeah. Listen to the podcast, get yeah. more. Yeah. I think yeah. what started out for me as one of my biggest questions about the Bible, and by mm. questions I mean like mm. obstructions or obstacles to yeah. trust in the Bible, hang up, yeah. Yeah. has become for me one of my favorite parts of the Bible mm. as I see the truth embedded in it yeah. and what it would have read like to the ancient reader. Yes. But yes. Your, I, I love how you're distilling it down to the yes. truth at the core of it yeah. that is yeah. bedrock, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, okay, so running through this library of scripture <laughs> and this unfolding story of which the climax is Jesus, yes. right? Yes. Is You're saying is this mere rebellion in heaven and on earth. Yes. That often the heaven part is categorized by this rubric of spiritual warfare, mm -hmm. which is not language used in the New Testament, but the mm -hmm. idea is all the way through. Yeah, a conflict, yes. a cosmic conflict. Cosmic conflict. Yep. And then yeah. central to that is yeah. this figure that yeah. Jesus has much to say about of yeah. the devil or their other names. Correct. Talk to us about, yeah, yeah run us from kind of Genesis 3.15, the yeah. serpent crusher, <laughs> yeah, totally. up to Jesus, where yeah. we've been the last few weeks. Yeah, so this is, this is a, the, the way biblical literature communicates. It's very different. It's its own category of li literature. Yes. And, and I believe guided by God's spirit to be what it is. Yeah, um, but it's something that we have to learn and adjust to how it communicates. One of the main ways it communicates is through what you can call literary design or cycles of patterns. But th there's really just a few basic ideas being worked out in cyclical patterns over and over and over and this over angle, again. This angle, that angle, this author, that viewpoint, totally. that. Totally, that's right. And so just like uh, the hope for the Messiah is um, pointed towards through a diversity of images and characters and stories. Yeah, so you used the language earlier of a mosaic. Of a mosaic, yeah, yeah think of like, like or a photo mosaic. One prophet has this that's right. tile, another author yeah, has this right. tile, that's this right. David is this tile, that's right. and then together you start to get this composite You finish the Hebrew Bible and you're like, we need, a new, uh, we need a new human, a new Adam, and we need a new Moses, a new David, we need the ultimate Passover sacrifice. We need a high priest. We need a, yeah. yeah, and those are all one thing. Mm -hmm. They're all different pieces pieces of one Pointing forward portrait. to Jesus. Correct. So, and if you look at how Jesus and the apostles read and talk about, you can see that's how they think of it, how they talk about the Old Testament. The same goes for this portrait of evil, spiritual evil. Um, it's uh, an accumulating set of stories and characters and images and places. Mosaic. That begin to make up a mosaic silhouette or portrait <laughs> of the evil one. Um, and so this, the snake is the first one right there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, in the next story of Cain, it's sin, which is an animal lurking inside. Um, in the stories that go on, it's humans who give in to sin become agents of the serpent. Hmm. Um, and so you get, uh, you know, Nimrod. Yeah. <laughs> Genesis 10. It's a whole rabbit hole Yeah, there. it's a whole rabbit hole. But he's the founder of Babylon. 
on page 10 of the Bible. And then Babylon um, becomes a whole story of people who, just like that snake, want to ascend to the heavens. Yep. They want to build a human kingdom that breaks the boundary of heaven and earth to become Elohim. And so just even that set of stories, is that a human bad guy or a spiritual bad guy? Well, it's humans who are participating, unknowingly even, yep. with something and even much more sinister Jesus behind them. in John 8, where we've been, yes. is getting to that. To totally. And with the yeah, Pharisees, right. you are of your father, the devil. That's right. You're his yeah. children. I yeah, mean, that's, that's, that's right. our, all back to Genesis 3, right? So, the so, seed of the serpent. Right. So are the Pharisees, totally. which are the it's, religious people. So, so from page 3, it's a tale of two seeds. Hmm. And it, it doesn't mean physical genetic lineage. Yes, because the Pharisees aren't right. descendant of a snake. It's, I'm still looking for the right term, but it's a, it's a spiritual lineage. Right? Yes, yeah. Because Cain, who's the son of Adam and Eve. stand in this line of the story. Becomes uh, a seed of the serpent by giving in to the evil within. And so as you go throughout then the rest of the Hebrew Bible, the portrait of the evil one and the evil ones just continues to, yeah. to develop. And so you get these rebel spiritual beings who participate. They're called the um, sons of Elohim, or the sons of God in our English translations. Um, uh, they're sometimes called the powers. They're the hosts of heaven. Principalities. Principalities. And then... You have demons um, in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah totally. Right? I, actually, that word appears in the Hebrew Bible, shadim. Yeah. Um, so, and what these are, are beings who are working on an individual and corporate level to participate and aggravate the cosmic rebellion, resulting in the world that you and I inhabit. Now, when Jesus talks about... So that's, well, that's this one seed. That's one seed. The, the promise given on page 3 in Genesis 3.15 is that there's another a human seed who will, who will not, not only not give in to spiritual evil, but will overcome and defeat it at its source. Yep. Like deal with the real problem. Deal with the real problem at its root. Um, and, and then this whole human lineage that you follow gets traced on through Abraham, and he's pretty awesome, except when he's not. <laughs> when he's not acting like a snake. <laughs> Aren't we all? Totally. When he's not deceiving and lying mm -hmm. and abusing immigrants, he's pretty wow. good. When and his descendants are no better, <laughs> right? Jacob. Jacob's main name means deceiver. Yep. Um, and then the sons of Israel, the strugglers, those who struggle with El, those who struggle wow. with God. That's what Israel means: struggles with God. And so the story goes on, and you're just like, oh, Moses, he's pretty good, except when he's not. David, he's pretty good, except when he's. And so you leave the Hebrew Bible, going, you know what we need around here? We need a new human, <laughs> who won't give in to spiritual evil, um, who will somehow overcome the evil one, but also in a way to rescue the evil, the people who are captive yeah, to Babylon. To the evil one. To the evil one and its social manifestation in Babylon. And or would have been Roman Empire. That's right, Babylon becomes a, a symbol yep. to refer to any and all uh, human cultures that Turn them. Mm -hmm. their so Nazi Germany is Babylon, totally. and the Roman Empire is That's Babylon. That's right, and America's Babylon. I mean, yep. hundred percent, totally. So you walk to page one of the New Testament, and you see Jesus declaring the kingdom of God, that God is taking back His rule of the world through a, a merging of the divine and human. Yep. I mean, which has been the storyline. Totally. Yeah, that's right. That's what all the, of a sudden the incarnation is like. Yeah, well, that's yeah, right. Of course. That's exactly right. So the, the, 
this is what really I began to open, be, open my eyes to this, is there is so much I couldn't account for in the story yeah. of the Gospels within a materialist, non-supernatural world. Yeah, is it Luke's line, the reason the Son of Man came is to destroy the works of the devil? <laughs> Like that, like that's the reason. He told, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And so Jesus, it's crystal clear to Jesus that his enemy isn't human kingdoms. And while his... Because he's right under the nose, right under the yeah, boot of the Roman Empire. Totally. Which again, peak of yeah. civilization. Yeah, if you're a totally. Roman, that's nowhere right. else in the world to be. If and you're Jeru not a Roman... In Jerusalem, the holy city of David is being run by people who have all corrupt. given in yep. to participating in the Roman power system. And so, so what Jesus does was he, he starts this, right, this populist cell movement in the villages of Galilee. Yeah. Um, but he's not protesting the local garrison. No, no that's And right. he's not raising an army no, to go to war. No, he walks into a village and spiritual evil freaks out. Yeah. Um, the stories of Jesus' exorcisms, his healings, his healings are often... Yes. Freeing people yes, from as a blurred from a line, right, between evil. exorcism and the healing. And we might separate those healing versus exorcism. It's the same. It's the same activity, and it's just, it's totally paired with integrating Matthew and the prostitutes and the sinners into God's family. Wow. That and and healing those who are impure and bodies riddled with skin disease and decay, who couldn't go to the temple, but Jesus invites them into His little temple presence. Yeah. Traveling around now. Healing. And so Jesus. Um, He's, he's so fully living in the world set up by the Hebrew Bible that he sees his true enemy. He'll go announce the kingdom of God in a city and demons are cast out and people are healed. And what he'll say in Luke chapter 10 is, I'm seeing the Satan fall from heaven. <laughs> so when people are freed from captivity to the internal Babylon and external Babylon and give their allegiance to Jesus and his new humanity and his love, they, the evil ones are being dethroned, so to speak, yes. over the, the rule of their and lives. And have lost power. That's exactly and right. And lost authority. That's right. So, so Jesus sees himself and presents himself as the human seed of the woman of Genesis 3.15, who's not fighting humans. That we've been waiting for since page three. He's, he's dealing with the snake on its head. And so the word Satan um, is the Hebrew word that's one of the images yeah. to describe spiritual evil in the Hebrew Bible. It's not a name. It's a, just like Elohim is not yeah. a name. It's a title. It's a title um, that means the accuser or the opposer, mm -hmm. and which is a role that um, this being can play in the divine council. Yes. Which is what you see this figure doing in the book of Job. Job, yeah. And also in the book of Zechariah. And it's what he's doing with Jesus in the testing him in the desert. Mm -hmm. he's, he's putting his, what's happening with Jesus in the desert is a replay of the garden. It's, it's spiritual evil offering a human, the human Jesus, a chance to rule on his own terms. Um, and Jesus, of course, is made and destined to rule, just like humans are on page one. Yeah. Um, but Jesus, instead of seizing authority, um, as Paul says in Philippians 2, he doesn't seize for his own advantage what yep. is already rightly his own. Yep. Rather, he, give, he empties himself um, and gives his life for others. Defeating evil through self-sacrificial yeah, death. Yeah, that's right. And so that's the, you know, he defeats evil by letting evil defeat him through its human agents who think they're doing good. 
right? The, like the Sanhedrin yep. and, and the Pharisees and Pilate think they're doing... Protect, protecting yeah. Israel from yeah. blasphemy. And, totally, yeah. But he defe- and in the end, there's no more Roman Empire. That's, yes. And yeah, that's right. people are following Jesus yeah. all around the world. Yeah, th- that's right. So this gets into many other themes, but, yeah. but the, I think the point is... This is Jesus' way of seeing the world. Yeah. This is the apostles' way of seeing the world. When Paul looks out at Christians being persecuted or himself sitting in prison in Ephesians, right? He'll yeah. write that, you guys, our enemy is never another human. It's never another human. Wow. And, Talk um, about a message we need to hear right yes, now. Yes, totally. It's, it's realities that are hard for us to see, um, often invisible but not always, Especially because the whole point of yep. this evil is that it's a the mirror of, of heaven and earth. And so we, actually, we can become agents and participants in evil with, without even knowing it. But humans are never the ultimate problem. It's something uh, darker and more mysterious un- lurking underneath. That's yeah. Paul's view of the world. It's corporate. It's individual. It's so profound. That's it. Yeah, man. So, so, so I could go, I could, I could I know, go on. I know. So I, get me go, you I get me going. To, and I, I hate to cut you off. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think we're out of time. Yeah. So yes. to shift gears yes. or to kind of land the plane from this idea, which is fascinating, mm-hmm. which is hard to believe, which is hard to get your head around as a Westerner, where does this land for you? You mm-hmm. live a few blocks from here. Mm-hmm. You follow Jesus on the streets of this city. Mm-hmm. How does this interface and interact with our day-to-day life as we think about the week ahead, as we frame yeah. our life with Jesus in this city. Yeah. Um, where it hasn't put me, I'm not saying this is good, I'm just saying it hasn't put me in a mindset where I'm now scared of like ghosts and spirits again. Yeah. That's, that's actually not where my mind goes. Um, I'm really trying to let the story of Genesis 3 about redefining good and evil to transcend what I think are my limits that mm-hmm. I ought to be able to transcend and that will benefit me, even Genesis 4, if it's at the expense of, of, somebody of my else. brother, yep. of his life or well-being. And so that, that battle, right? Um, so, so let me just be even more clear. It's the battle to do what is best for me and to redefine good and evil for my own com- convenience, comfort, and benefit and at the expense of the people around me. I'm guessing I'm not alone in that struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, Tim. And like, and in my not fa- a little, for so me. in my family, there's that little world that's happening. It's happening in my city. It's happening in my. Are you with me? Yeah. Just the expanding circles, and every one of those is a realm where that same conflict is taking place. And I think the biblical author is the same want, temptation. It's the same deal, and so. And that is spiritual warfare. And you're that's saying. spiritual warfare. That's exactly right. The temptation right. to decide for myself, good from evil, That's right. do what's best for me at the expense of somebody else, That's right. regardless of the ramifications. And then we create individual and corporate cultural narratives about those good to and evil it. value sets. And then all of a sudden, you get decades in, and what was inconceivable to our great-grandparents is now perfectly right it's, and normal It's the new normal. Us. That's right. And so I think that's... As the, Isaiah would say, good is evil and evil is good. Yeah, or in Apostle Paul's language, captive to the evil one. Yeah. I always thought that was so weird. Yeah. But uh, if you really let these narratives start to affect your way of seeing the world, I am captive to the cultural narratives of Portland. I totally yeah. am. 
I have to actively resist. And you need to be set free. I need to be set free from my own, from my addiction to like eating out too much. <laughs> no, I'm totally serious. Yes, yes. The amount of money, you know. I mean, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, yeah, or um, the convenient uh, overlooking that I do of my neighbors without homes. Yeah. You know, in uh, all over my city and their situation, which um, is a complex one. There's all kinds of things that I, where I'm redefining good and evil to make my life more convenient. Yeah. And for my own well-being and... Or perceived well-being. Per perceived well-being. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so for me, that's, that's it, man. That's the pastoral, like, traction. That's where the rubber... It's a personal traction of all of yeah. this. Um, and, and so there are, you know, I, I've only had one encounter with, like, what I think was a personal evil being hijacking yeah. a person. And so once in... I'm 41. That's happened once in 41 years. But every day... I'm faced with a conflict about redefining good and evil. Yeah. And that, I think, in the biblical authors and Jesus' mind, is just as much where the spiritual cosmic battle is happening as in stuff from The Exorcist. Yes. And so, so do we give in to that and yeah. participate in the rebellion? Totally. Or do we resist yeah. and participate in the healing? Yeah, that's right. So talk about it. Even if you think it's weird, I think you can say to your neighbors, this is a coherent way of seeing the world. Yeah. And of explaining why our world is the way it is. And it, it's a worldview, it's the kingdom of God worldview um, that I think can give followers of Jesus leverage over against the culture in which they find themselves to be able to critique, critique the stories and the value yeah. systems that I think we're often captive to. But uh, so there you go. That's it. Yeah. Tim, we are so <laughs> grateful for you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Hope to have you in the flesh next year when you're back on the circuit. But either way, Cheers. we love you. We respect you. We thank God for you. Yeah. Grace and peace. Uh, yeah. Pr pray for me, and I'll pray for you. Yeah. That we can be free from the evil one. Love it. Yeah. Thank you.